The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how I found myself in and got out of email deliverability jail. Joining us is Yanatori Asparaki, who is a deliverability specialist at Email Console, which is a product created by deliverability specialists with over 15 years of experience that gives you insights into your domain's reputation and your inboxing rates. From seed lists to block list monitoring, Email Console helps you remain proactive by using email marketing software's data together with deliverability data to make sure that you don't end up where I was in email jail. Yesterday, Yanatori and I talked about how email even works, and today we're going to talk about how to recognize email deliverability problems. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Yanatori Asparaki, the deliverability expert at Email Console. Yana, Tori, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Have I told you lately how much I love you? <laughs> have I told you lately how much I care? <laughs> yes, yes, you have. I don't even know who sings that song. Maybe it's Lionel Richie. Maybe it's Stevie Wonder. Either way, Yana, you've helped me so much with my deliverability problems. And the truth is the first step in figuring out how to solve deliverability problems is recognizing that you have deliverability problems. So yesterday, when we started our conversation, you told us how email works. You go into your inbox, you send an email, you have to make sure that that email is being sent from an authenticated account. And there's three phases of that. Do you own your domain? What tools have you given access to your domain? And basically a second level of authentication to make sure that all the emails that are being sent are valid. So that's your DCAM, SPF, and DMARC authentications. Then all your emails are going through block lists. They gather data and they tell the email service providers or the inboxes whether that email should be passed through, whether it should be sent to spam, and the Gmails and the Microsofts of the world basically decide how that email gets funneled, whether it's to your inbox outright blocked or whether it goes into spam. The problem is when you're sending emails, you don't get any of this data that returns. I was sending emails, you know this very well. We were sending a couple thousand emails a month from a single inbox that were cold emails or part of a cold email sequence. And all of a sudden we realized that, hey, nobody's responding with our emails. Maybe there's a deliverability problem. But it turns out that problem started like months before. 
So we went about this the hard way. We realized that, oh my gosh, there is this dramatic drop off in email deliverability. And that's when I started kicking and screaming and went to LinkedIn and found you. And thank you for solving those problems. What should people like me be doing to not get caught in email jail and recognize when they're either acting badly or the spam filters and the block lists are starting to take note of them? Everyone's going to hate me for this answer, but just like be a normal human being. When you go to a store and somebody asks you for your email address and you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to give my email address. You know why? It's because these people are going to send you emails and going to send you promotions and going to want to sell you 37 car and 27 mattresses, even though you just bought one. So just be human and usually you'll be fine. So that means don't email people you might not necessarily know. You know that you're just like shooting everywhere, hoping something lands. It means sending at the appropriate times. It means understanding that everybody wants to see the same message. Some people are interested in one thing or something else. Email is not kind of something you can just create, press send, and just take a day off. Everything is fine. You really need to dive into it. If you can spend 24 hours taking the perfect Instagram shot for your product, you can spend an extra hour looking at data and really deep diving into your email marketing things. I appreciate your answer, and it's the right answer. And I think it's total bullshit. <laughs> Nothing personal. But Yana, let's be honest here. The way of the world is not handcrafting an email to every single person who could be your prospect, mostly in B2B. There are enterprise level sales teams with herds of SDRs that have templates that are finding their prospects and maybe they're you know modifying a variable here or there in their template. That's what we do, but I would be sending the same email if I typed it out every time because it's the best email I've ever written. Yes, the politically correct answer is act like a human. And from a business results perspective, that's a bunch of crap. I can't sit around as the founder, president, CEO of my company and be handwriting emails that I want to come from me. I have a team of people that are sending emails that I wrote to the right people. And I'm not the only one doing that. So how do you actually, in the real world, figure out what is the right way to figure out if you have deliverability problems? Well, this is where people love, or I guess hate to love me, is because the spam field doesn't care about you and your business. It cares about delivering emails that are wanted to people. So they don't care that you need to make money. They don't care if you handcrafted the best email the world has ever seen. If people don't want your emails and that's what they know, that email's not going to go anywhere. So let's use some data here. Perfect. After the fact, once I realized that we were in deliverability jail and I needed to pay closer attention to this, I went back through the entire year and put together a deliverability report that not only shows how many emails I sent, how many were actually received, and what the reply rates were. So from the account that sends our cold outbound email, before we had email problems, our open rates generally hovered somewhere around 50%. They went from 50 at times up to 80%. And then when we realized we had a problem, they dipped down to 21%. But our reply rates were always relatively the same. We always had like a 15 to 30% reply rate, which is way above what we would call the internet standard, right? And when I'm figuring out reply rate, it is how many people that opened the email actually replied, not how many people that we sent the email to? How effective are the emails once they get there? I think that both of those benchmarks are above industry standards in a 50% open rate and a 15% reply rates. Those are exceptional numbers. But the spam filter is saying nobody wants my emails, but the results of the emails are positive. So 
help me reconcile that because, you know, if I was a bad performer, why is everybody opening my emails and replying to them? This is where it gets confusing, but it is logical. So Gmail, especially the Gmails and the G Suites and B2B, mainly G Suite at this point, they have all this data. They have so much data on their users. They know exactly what we like, what we're opening, what we're not doing, what we're doing on the internet, right? Google knows. So if, for example, and this I'm going to go in like super far away so that it just sticks. If somebody signs up to porn and that's the kind of thing they do, they'll sign up to anything sketchy or they may be older. They don't really know how to use the internet. They just end up, you know, with a bunch of weird things in their inbox. If something weird kind of came out, the spam filter might look at this inbox and be like, you know what, this kind of looks like something this person wants. On the other hand, somebody like me really pays attention to what I've signed up to. You know, I get emails that I really want and I do have inboxes for spam so I can stock businesses and things like that. But my personal stuff is very, fairly clean. So if somebody tried to send me an email to sell me something like, you know, can I design your website or something weird like that to steal money, whatever, I would not get that email, even though somebody else who's in the other group would. So if you come back to your business, your list, where you go and you get these contacts, is very good. You know your target audience, you know what type of people are going to interact with them. So when you're sending out that email, Google is looking at it and like, you know, these people are sending a lot of emails, people don't engage with them. The next person that comes in, I won't send it either. But if the people that you're sending emails to, you know who you're sending it to, and some of them start engaging, Google's like, okay. And it starts making a persona of who they think your target audience is based on the lists you're sending and based on who's opening those emails versus those who are not. And they can start building this really, really good idea of who you are and who you should be sending the emails to and say, you know what, these people don't fit the persona. These people will get it in spam. If some of them open it or take it out of spam into the inbox, they'll recalibrate it. And it just keeps on going that way. What it takes is one bad time where you buy a list and there's too many spam traps at one time or you hit too many bounces or engagement has been a little bit too low for a little bit too long and then you dip and then the deliverability was already not good. You were maybe not delivering the normal 95 to 98%. You were delivering in the 70s. So 30% is, you know, you're losing things. If that was how it was consistently, you won't see a dip until the 70% starts becoming 30, 20 or 5% inboxing and you're losing most of your emails. So I understand what you're saying in the sense of it is not a static environment. We were sending emails to people that generally like them. But if we happen to run into a batch of people that don't think our emails are well-targeted or appreciated, then we're going to run into some problems, right? And, and that can affect your deliverability and can snowball from there. When you're thinking about monitoring, how do you figure out whether this is happening? We went through the exact same process for six months, and we weren't sending always the same volume of email. And I'll be very open and honest about this. Here's our process. We have the list of the 7,000 MarTech companies, and we go find the marketing executives, and we go and find their email addresses. They're generally pretty easy to find. You could look on LinkedIn, and there's a million researchers that can go find people's email address. So we have a researcher that goes through these lists, finds the company, and we email one or two contacts per company at the 7,000 MarTech companies. And generally, we email what used to be 100 leads a week, so 100 unique emails per week in a four-email sequence. We did that process for a year and a half. This is nothing new. Now, at some times we said, okay, we need more sales. Let's do 200 emails instead of 100. And then sometimes we would drop it down to 50. But generally, we never had deliverability problems until whatever it was, two, three months ago when we found you. So if the process is the same, in theory, the data should be the same. Was it just bad luck for us 
that we got 10 people at once that said, no, I don't want this email? Or did something happen that triggered the deliverability problems? So there's two things here. You can be right there at the fine line where you're not a bad sender. You're obviously not a spam. You're not somebody who's trying to steal people's money or you're just like sending a billion emails like, hey, please buy my service a million times. You're not a bad sender. You're not a perfect one either. You don't have that perfect credit score that even if you forgot to pay your cell phone bill, eh, it's fine. You're still getting the house loan. The other part is that we keep forgetting that security in all domains is just getting more strict and more strict. People are becoming more effective at spamming and the spam filters have to counterattack that. So as time progresses, and it's going really, really quickly, 15 years ago, deliverability was all about, which is, wasn't really a thing, was all about IPs, you know, from which computer to come from, too much time has come from this computer, I don't trust this computer, and that was it. And then other things came into play. The block lists that are being trying to gather data and then reshare it with all the inbox and the spam filters. Spam filters got smarter. They started looking at engagement. They started looking at, they started having the computing power to just compare between their own customers and say, you know, this guy kind of likes this email and this guy complains about emails. Why should I trust it or not trust it? So those things are becoming more and more complex. They're becoming smarter. And the laws are all dictating, you know, you shouldn't email people you don't know. And it makes sense. It makes sense in a very practical utopian kind of world. But like you said before, if I want new business, I'm not going to go knocking on doors. I need to get in front of them. And that's where the vicious cycle starts because the spam filters in the United States are not going to work differently for me because I'm in Europe and differently for you. We're both using Google. So what do you think Google does? They're not going to go to the American laws and say, fine, you can email wherever the hell you want. They will go and they will start adhering to the laws that are stricter. It's too much work. It's just impossible to maintain so many spam filters based on laws that are constantly changing. So they're starting to become stricter and stricter and enforcing policies because either they're going to get fined or people are going to stop complaining and they're going to lose users. If they're letting spam through, people will stop using Gmail and they will go somewhere else. So this is like a huge debate. And this is where I come in always after there's a problem. And then the question is always, look, I've been doing this for 12 years, but now really? It's like, yeah, you got caught. Something was one red flag too many and that's it. And now all eyes are on you and you're walking around with a bloody knife and you're like, I didn't do it. And it just really sucks. (laughs) All right. So I'm walking around with a gun that has smoke coming out of it and a knife with blood on the tip of it. And apparently I've been a bad actor for years, even though, you know, my open rates and my, I get it. Look, that's, that's the spam filters job and they're trying to protect people. And I think that the reality is businesses are trying to make new contacts and they're using emails as an outreach campaign like we were doing, right? It is a way to make introductions. And there's a way around it, though. Well, the problem is that we're not doing a one-to-one email campaign. We're doing a one-to-many email campaign that looks like a one-to-one email campaign because it is customized and personalized. So we do our research and we do our homework, but we say relatively the same thing to everyone. Now, here's the big question for you is, you say that everybody comes to you when they have a problem. Is there a way to avoid coming to you? Nothing personal, but is there a way that you should be doing a better job monitoring email deliverability so you understand when you should pull back on the throttle? How do you actually figure out if you have a deliverability problem before it's a real problem? Perfect. So what I usually suggest to people is what we did at the beginning. Like, I'm having an issue. I don't really know what it is. Is it this? Is it that? Let's find out. And what we did was a seed test, a seed, like a thing that you plant, seed test. And what that does is very simple. I gave you a bunch of email addresses, send a regular email, a regular campaign to this list for me. 
And on my end, all these inboxes receive your email or not. And we can create a graph of which of the inboxes received the email, where did they receive it in spam or inbox. And that gives us a lot of information because as we know, different spam filters look at different things. Therefore, if you're blocked with one spam filter, you're not blocked with the other, it can kind of give us an idea of where the issue is coming from. Is it a list issue? Is it an IP issue? Is it somebody spoofing you? We can figure that out together. And that's usually the starting point. And it's also the same thing you would do in order to monitor on a weekly basis or depending on how many emails you send a month. You just do a C-test. It lets, hey, you know, everything's fine. Everyone's getting my email. Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, whatever inboxes are important to you. And you can ensure that they're always going to the inbox. Now, sometimes things go to spam, but deliverability, just like a credit score, it can never be 100%. It's usually around 95% to 100. That's stellar, amazing, good reputation, inboxing rates. And there's a difference between delivery and deliverability. So delivery is when you send an email and somebody receives it. The inbox says, yep, I exist. I grab the email. Deliverability is the second step. So the email exists and could accept an email. What did the spam filter do? What did the inbox do? Did it put it into the inbox, which would be good deliverability? Did it put it in spam or did it put it nowhere? That's where the difference is. An email marketing service provider, you know, the MailChimps and the flow mailers of the world, they can let you know how many of those emails were received, not how many of those actually went in the inbox. That's information nobody has other than G Suite and Gmail. And they have that information. No one else does. So when you do a C test, you're just sending emails out to a bunch of different inboxes and the inbox exists. And there's a system that tells you, yes, I received it or not. A C test is the easiest, cheapest way to know if you're having deliverability issues or if you do it on a regular basis to make sure that you don't have deliverability issues. Okay, so a seed test is the way to understand if you have deliverability problems. I think that the takeaway here is you can run tests that are ad hoc tests like a seed test to understand are your emails actually being delivered, how they're being received. To me, the biggest thing to think about is monitoring. You're not going to know before there is an email deliverability problem. So you need to realize it as they are starting and start to change your behaviors And that's one of the biggest things is recognition of the problem is almost the hardest thing. You're going to go through, you're going to be testing things. If you're in a large organization, you're going to have a lot of people sending a lot of emails and you might have one bad actor that sinks the ship for everyone. So to realize that that's happening and realizing that the boat is taking on water, you need to be able to understand how many emails you're sending. What are the deliverability rates? Basically, you know, how many emails that you're sending are bouncing? And then you're looking at things like your open rates, your click-through rates, your reply rates. What are some of the signals that are being sent? And when you start to see a decrease in things like your open rate and your reply rate, then it's time to start changing your behaviors. So to me, that's what we focused on when we had deliverability problems once we had them solved is monitoring. We changed our behavior, how we were sending emails, how many accounts we were sending them from. We're going to talk about that stuff tomorrow. But the key to avoiding deliverability nightmares is to monitor your deliverability. And to me, that's the biggest takeaway and one of the biggest things I learned from you, Yana. So have I said thank you and have I told you lately how much I love you? (laughs) Yes, you have. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Yanatori Asparaki, deliverability specialist at Email Console, for joining us. In the third part of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Yanatori and I are going to discuss how to fix your email deliverability problems. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Yanatori, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is Yanatori, Y A N N A T O R R Y. 
Or you can visit her company's website, which is emailconsole.com, E-M-A-I-L-C-O-N-S-U-L.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.